to Service Headline News. I am Marty Smith. I'm Eric Pratt. And I'm Jake Wall. And we're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and maybe have a laugh as the Swearing In Podcast presents Service Headline News. Thanksgiving week, gentlemen. Got big plans? Turkey and more turkey. Uh, yeah. Going over to friend's house, of course. Yeah, it's it's actually weird because uh, our family's kind of dispersed this year, so uh, uh, it might just be me and my wife and uh, our daughter. Um, it's going to be kind of a bummer, but uh, I guess that happens. You know that that comes and goes, that ebbs and flows. Yeah, everybody's getting older over there, huh? And uh, yeah, my wife is vegan, and my daughter's picky as shit. So uh, my wife was like, "Do you want a turkey?" And I was like. You can just get me a couple slices of turkey breast from the deli because I'm the only one who's going to be eating it. So, Marty, cool. I'll make you a plate. All right, geez. You know, it's, it, I can I can go without the turkey, but it's, it's it's the stuffing. It's the it's the only time of the year I have really have stuffing, and I love the shit out of that. So, yeah. Eric, what happened this date in history? Oh, I've got a good one for you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some facts. And you try to tell me what the event was. Ooh. Oh. So oh. it occurred 59 years ago, November 22nd. It occurred in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas. Oh. Kennedy were, assassination? Well, darn, that was too easy. Yes. <laughs> John F. Kennedy was assassinated that day. The weapon utilized was a 6.5 by 5.2 millimeter Italian Carcano. It's a bold action rifle. Kennedy was killed. John Conley, which was a Republican senator, was injured. Perpetrator was Lee Harvey Oswald. So I want to set the, the basis for this little trip out to Texas, which is I, I nobody ever told me this part. So it was kind of interesting. Kennedy was traveling to Texas to smooth over frictions in the Democratic Party between liberals Ralph Yarborough, Don Yarborough, and a conservative Texas Texas governor, John Conley. The visit was first agreed upon by Kennedy, Texas native Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson, and Conley during a meeting in El Paso in June. Kennedy had three basic goals in mind for this trip. He was to help raise presidential campaign funds for the Democratic Party. He was going to begin the quest for re-election in November of 64. And finally, he had to make political amends among several leading Texas Democrat Party members who appeared to be fighting amongst themselves. So that's the main reason he was in oh, Texas. I guess I never knew why he was in Texas. Exactly. I, I never yeah. knew why or what brought him there. Um and then, of course, you know the story. En route to Dealey Plaza, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald scoped him out, put a bullet in him, and he died. That was 59 years ago today. The 22nd? November 22nd, 1963. 12.30 Central Mountain Time. Wow, interesting. I mean, I don't know. I can't grasp... I wasn't born yet, but I'm saying that 
the effect on the society, on the U.S. as a whole, that is difficult for me to picture. Yeah. You know, like losing a sitting president. I'm yeah. trying to think about it and how it would feel as a whole. It'd be, man, that would be crazy. Well, I, think about what kind of power he had. He was one of the only Democratic presidents that really, really were was able to make things bipartisan with yeah. the Republicans. Yeah, and he, I talked to, uh, I interviewed many of those people from that time, and whatever their whatever their party was, which I don't think it was as fierce, fiercely divided as it is today. But no. they all were like, yeah, he was hopeful. You know, he, he gave us hope. Yeah. We yeah. Liked him, you know, um, that was somebody you could meet in the middle, man. Uh, well, I don't I don't think the parties were that far apart back then. You know, I think it was it was it was more how how they were going to do things. Uh, but they agreed that maybe this needs to get done, like the deficit needs to get taken care of. How do we do that? Do we do it with taxes? Do we do it with cutting spending? So it's just those debates there. But now it's, you know, it's it's so philosophically far apart. It's crazy. But I think they were closer back then, especially when you come out of, um, you know, Eisenhower. I think Eisenhower ran a good administration, but, uh, you know, he was older. And yeah. he was Here's this young guy coming in. Yeah, that's exactly it. He was, he was. I mean, from what I can imagine, he was a younger guy. There's a lot more potential for, for coming together and moving yeah. in the government and all that. And then, and, and then even, even more. now, like just imagining, even now, a sitting president getting assassinated—that's oh, right. huge. And yeah. even as divided as we are. That would be a huge deal, like just in society as a whole. Well, look at the sixties. Where you had Kennedy got shot, Martin Luther King got shot, Bobby Kennedy got shot. You're like, that's all in one decade. And you're like, my God. Malcolm X got shot too in '65. Say that again. Yeah. Malcolm X. That's right. That's right. Malcolm X got shot. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 funny. Every once in a while, my wife will, you know. When the news is on, she's like, "My God, this is end times." I was like, "I don't think so," because go well, look at this season seventies man. They were beating each other up in the streets. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just had, had that nuclear. conversation the other night. They're like, "It's end times," and I was like, "Every generation has yep. said it's end times, and every generation has also said to the one above them that music is horrible." Yeah, <laughs> right. Those are the two consistent things. The music is trash. And you're burning the world to the ground. And remember, too, that he was dealing with the Cuban Missile Crisis. So you had a nuclear yeah. threat at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that's right. A real, a real nuclear threat. Yeah. But then again, you go back to the 1800s, and we had a civil war. You know, it's yeah. like holy shit. Yeah. Well, it's never thought if you go back in history. So, uh, um, okay, so elections didn't turn out right. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Nobody's getting nobody's really uh we're not suffering the kind of things that they were suffering back in the sixties. Yeah. Especially with the president got shot in a in, in just yeah. in a plaza like that. That's crazy. Yeah. I think I think Jake said it best, man. Every generation deals with the same kind of shit, just a different type of variety of it. 
I mean, really, like every time you think about it, you're like, even now they're like, oh, mumble rap is horrible. <laughs> I wish we had the, I wish we had the '90s freaking East Coast West Coast rap, you know? Ugh. Right, right. Like it's just. I still, yeah. I still want to see uh, maybe ten more years from now somebody fighting for dubstep. <laughs> oh, guaranteed. Yeah, that was the shit back then. It was awesome ska. That was. <laughs> <laughs> well, tragic day, but one we'll never uh we'll never forget. Thanks, Eric. Good That's history. It. Okay, uh first story I got is from military.com and this is about the Navy. The Navy begins major revamp of promotions starting with Master Chief. So they're going to start with their top their top enlisted rank, but here's what they're going to do. Uh, the Navy is changing the way it promotes sailors into the top enlisted rank, Master Chief Petty Officer, and leaders in the service say that's only the beginning of a major initiative to revamp how the service promotes across the ranks. This is a pretty damn good idea. At the moment, Master Chiefs and other Chief Petty Officers in the Navy are promoted in a process where a board reviews all eligible sol- sailors and decides who to promote completely independent of the sailors' command or future assignments. Uh, which is kind of, I think, how all the services do it, right? It's all independent, and it's like, oh, if you're if you're up there, you get, you know, you can get promoted. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. The new process, which the Navy calls billet-based advancement, will tie those two those two factors, promotion and new orders, together. So Navy officials say the change will not only benefit the service by getting higher ranking sailors into matching jobs more quickly, it will give sailors more control and transparency over their careers. Starting in 2023, senior chiefs who are eligible for promotion will now be, quote unquote, screened, and the sailors deemed the best and fully qualified will become eligible to participate in a marketplace of available master chief positions throughout the Navy. If they are picked for a position, the promotion of Master Chief will happen as soon as they report to their new post. So if I read between the lines, and I don't know how the Navy breaks down, um, but if they're kind of in that career field uh, and there's and they match a certain top enlisted job and their packages, you know, we assume all the packages are stellar. Right. If they match that job then they'll promote them into that job, which is a pretty smart way of doing business, really. Because if you want all that knowledge kept in that job, well, then you want to promote into that job, right? That makes sense. Makes sense. It it, it sounds like you get promoted, you're packing your bags, you're getting a new job. Yeah. I think, yeah, you have to, right? It it sounded similar to like a job interview, though, didn't it? How did it read? It was like there was an open... Of all the open jobs, uh, yes. Interview for all the- yeah. Well, they're gonna they're gonna. Uh, I think uh, from the way I understand it, which I don't understand the Navy, <laughs> I must admit. Um, yeah. However, it sounds like if a certain career field uh, has a senior enlisted position opening up, then they're gonna um, they're gonna promote into that position. 
who's most appropriate for that career field mm-hmm. rather than just take, oh, this guy made top enlisted rank, um, but he's from this career field, so now he has to work in this career field. I don't know how much no, that okay. happens, but if it does, that's a complete mismatch. Is that, you know, isn't, isn't that what kind of chiefs active duty do, though? Like I think if, so. if you're a chief, you can just go. You can go anywhere. Like, yeah. yeah. But you know what's going to happen, right? People are going to turn down. Positions. People are going to turn down a promotion because they don't want to leave. Uh, could be. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah, I wonder what the fine print is. But then, yeah, but then that's kind of self-selecting, right? Yeah. Um, if you if you had a chance um, to get promoted, do you take that chance or do you just go? Oh no, I'm good. And either. Either way, though, the the service might be better off for that decision. No, I, I agree with that, too. I, I think it's a better way to move people. But I, I know some people, based on family, you know, issues, where they're stationed. Yeah. Right, right. Want to stay for two more years or shit like that. This article, I, I didn't want to go too much in the weeds, but there was a piece in this article that said, uh, um, if you're eligible for promotion, you enter into this, like, two-year window. So if if uh, a job that you are fit for comes up, but you don't feel like you're ready, um, you still have two more years to be fit for another of that type of job. So somebody who just is like, ah, no, I need, you know, I still need, uh, I need my kids need to finish school or I don't think I'm ready for the next rank for a little while. I still need to learn this. Then you still have that two-year window, and it doesn't shut you out. Mm. No, that's cool, though. Yeah. That two-year window might close real quick. So. <laughs> yeah, there might mean all the positions might be filled. You know? Waiting for that kid to finish school. You're like, uh, correspondence, baby. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the, best, here's the best part of this article. The Navy's official message on the new policy notes that some communities will stick to the old system. These communities include the Command Senior Enlisted Leader Program, the Submarine Force, the Surface Nuclear Program, the Naval Special Warfare Community, Sailors in the Reserves, and musicians. (laughs) Musicians are going to stick to the old system. Here's what's funny is those are all like super. I mean, I know you're specialized. Oh, absolutely. They're yeah. extremely specialized, right? In their area. Yeah. And yeah. So, can you imagine like a senior NCO? They're like, all right, you're going to the drum and bugle corps. Like, <laughs> man, I played the harmonica like twice poorly. I can beat the <laughs> shit out of that drum, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or or if you're going up to our U.S. nuclear uh, submarine force and they're like, yeah. "Hey, we got a new chief for you." He He's was six five, two eighty three. So we'll see how that works. That, but that's that sounds uh, really cool. You know, um, it. You know, that, the only thing in the in the Air Force that I see. Uh, not similar to that, but that where it could it could use some work is the first sergeant program. Yeah, because you know you go into first sergeant. I think it's considered special duty still, and you can yeah. go anywhere. Yeah, and I think when they do that, you kind of lose a little flavor of the unit that you're going to. 
Um, and there, and there's, there's some of those little idiosyncrasies within that unit and that job that I think a first sergeant needs to know rather than just be, yeah. oh, I know how to run paperwork. That's what I'm here for. And it's like, ah, it'd be nice if you knew the kind of challenges of that job. For sure. Like Understand what your troops are doing. Man. I, that yeah. would be nice if there was like a familiarization course or something like that. Or, yeah, that'd be great. Be like, hey, this is, you know, or just like you go get sent out to whatever schoolhouse they're at. You watch what they do and what they're dealing with kind of thing at, at the basic training schoolhouse. Yeah. 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 Yeah, something like of- that. Be, that would be cool because we had, I mean, at Sivers, I felt bad for that guy. Like, he was a cop the whole time, his whole career, and then they assigned him as first sergeant to the to the space nerd missile warning squadron. <laughs> and he's just like, "What is going on here?" You know, <laughs> they're all soft and weak. Yeah, but That's can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine? the opposite happening a space nerd who has been that his whole career <laughs> yeah that's a good point and then gets thrown into knee deep into a cop squadron or a maintenance squadron well yeah he'll get eaten up welcome Just, to the show. <laughs> oh man that would be a rude awakening yeah. the ones i've usually ran into <clears throat> are the ones who are not necessarily from the career field. I, in fact, I don't. I don't really remember anybody who was from the career field who was a an officially appointed first sergeant. There's always an acting first sergeant, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah official appointed first sergeant, but they're the rah rah guy or the rah rah female, you know. And it's like, ah, <laughs> I admire your enthusiasm, but yeah. I can't power through this in a good mood. <laughs> and they got to go to every ADLS graduation. They got to go through all, right. every single one of those right. things. Got to be visible. You know, it's like, yeah, for no, sure. I'd rather you understand our problems and, and how maybe if we did some schedule changing, you know, I mean, how many times have we seen a first sergeant fight with an op suit? Oh, all the yeah, time. Now. That's constant, right? That's almost yeah. always. Constant. So, uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll see how the Navy thing turns out. But it it sounds uh, promising. I like I, I like how they're at least trying to think a little bit forward and try to change some dynamics there. So yeah, anything to improve that promotion system is helpful. I think. I mean, I agree. Just, so. I agree. And it and and the you know if they're successful at this, the lower enlisted are the ones who are going to benefit from that. Absolutely. So. Okay. Story number two, Eric, you got a great plane. Yeah, man, this is, I was amazed at this. So, and right here, Special Ops always gets the, the cool toys. So, U.S. Special Operations Command was looking for a new aircraft to help do specific things. So, they put out a bid in L3 Technologies and an aircraft manufacturer named Air Tractor. Uh, came up with SOCOM's rugged plane. Now, Wait, plane, it's a it's a company called Air Tractor. Yeah. Now, Techno uh, L3 Harris Technologies and an aircraft manufacturer, Air Tractor, came up with this type of aircraft. And what Jake said earlier, they are the ones that developed uh, aircraft for specific firefighting and some other specific type of missions. 
So L3 brought it in and, and came up with this thing. So the new mission for this aircraft um, is actually hunting terrorists, hunting and striking terrorists. So it's an armed yes. overwatch aircraft. It will be able to carry multiple weapons configurations and modular sensors that can quickly be swapped out as well as be disassembled for deployment within hours. Wow. Yeah. This The name of this new aircraft is a Sky Warden, and it's got a bunch of shit in front of it. Alpha Tango-802 Uniform, Sky Warden. Um, this is SOCOM's pick for a rugged plane. It can carry out intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, close air support, strike missions against terrorist groups and austere locations. One of those being Africa. So that's pretty darn austere. So we're looking at Al-Shabaab and some of those yeah. other type yeah. of groups. Um, there was an interview with the president of L3 Harris Technologies. Uh, he said the company's use of model-based engineering and modular open systems allowed it to design a low-cost aircraft tailored to deliver what special operators need in the field. Uh, SOCOM wants an armed overwatch plane so it can continue to pressure extremist groups such as Somalia's Al-Shabaab and areas where largely uncontested airspace, while the Air Force shifts its primary focus in more elaborate fighters and bombers towards potential high-end threats in Europe and Asia. So you're, you're going to be able to remove some of the aircraft that support those terrorist missions, put them all towards the big battles, and leave this low-cost Overwatch plane to take care of the missions with, you know, um, terrorist groups and local intelligence missions. Um, armed Overwatch planes could also take over at least some of the missions carried out by the U-28 Drago ISR aircraft, which is aging and expensive to maintain. So they'll take that mission. Um, this contract was worth $3 billion. And the initial contract award was 170 million. Yikes. So this thing is up and running, fellas. It started work back in March of 2020, shortly after SOCOM released the armed overwatch solicitation. Uh, rather than beginning with a list of must-haves for the airplane, I like this, as traditional requirements-based engineering might dictate. Harris designers used model-based systems engineering to consider why a Skywarden pilot might need certain capabilities and the best way to fill those needs. So they went right to the aircraft pilots that are going to fly this thing and said, okay, that's, that's cool. What can we do to make this thing better and advantageous for you? Yeah. So in special ops, it comes down to that. The guy on the ground isn't looking for dots on a map or a tablet or something on his wrist. He's looking for the confidence that someone taking, talking, talking in his ear knows what they're talking about and not having to second guess what the mission is. So very specific. You're either gathering intel. You're either killing bad guys. You're reconnaissance of areas. I mean, this thing does it all. The one thing that's weird about it is that it's a single seat, right? No, so... actually, it's, it's a two-seater. Oh, it's a two yeah, look at that on the screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I was like, man, they got to be relaying. They have to be pumping all that data back. Yeah. Oh, 
So I, I, I'll, uh, I forgot last time I said I was going to put a link in the description, in the summary, but I'll put a link in there for this one because, uh, this thing is a single prop plane. Yeah. Right? It looks yeah. just, uh, it looks like a, I, I swear to God, it looks like a kit plane. It looks like somebody would build this thing in their, in their garage. It's a, it looks a lot like just a crop duster, honestly. Yeah, like, yeah it really does. All over the place in Oregon, Washington, I mean, any agricultural area, but. Guys, this it looks like an ugly stepbrother of the, the P38. Yeah. That dual tail one. Oh, looked, yeah. That yeah. One, that right. one looked sleek and cool. And this one's all the canopy's all armored, <laughs> up armored, and stuff. <laughs> this yeah, thing can carry cool. up to 6,000 pounds of external ordnance. Holy cow. That yeah. thing can carry 6,000 pounds? 6,000 pounds of external ordnance. God bless. It's a high load wing to ensure Ooh. it could carry up to 6,000 pounds of external ordnance. So it's, this so, it's so short, too. Yeah. yeah loading that would be horrible. It can be carried on a C-17 or C-5. The plane can be disassembled in about seven hours, loaded on a cargo plane, and then reassembled in about the same amount of time once it's reached its destination. You know, it's, looking at this thing, I can see, uh, what's it say, 25,000-foot service ceiling, Eight hours on eight hours on station is amazing. Absolutely. It's, it's all uh, and freaking fuel. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, but you can see it's so short. Uh it it can take I wonder what the runway length is that it can take off from because it's no, gotta be side, short, right? Yeah. I mean, this thing can just pop up anywhere, so that's yeah. pretty neat. It doesn't talk about its capabilities on, on takeoff and landing, um, but man, it sure it can sure carry some armament. So Skywarden could also carry GBU-12, a paveway laser-guided bomb. Uh, L3 Harris is close to having it capable of carrying AGM-114 Hellfire missiles, and mm -hmm. Skywarden has the infrastructure to handle as many as eight common launch tube-based weapons such as the AGM-176 Alpha Griffin. I'm not sure what that is, but it's a type of missile, I'm assuming. Yeah. So yeah, air, air, air to ground. Yeah. So, I, I mean, take away an A-10, and now you've got a Skywarden coming in and blasting just, just about as much. But I'm curious about speeds, and I would assume they're probably classified to some extent. Sure. But it doesn't mm. identify any speed. Well, Jake, what was a you were an A ten guy? Yeah, um, I don't know if you remember performance aspects or not, but I mean, I know oh, that yeah. everybody knows the A ten is not that fast. No, oh, it's slow as heck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's not a turboprop, but it's, you know, it's it's the similar engine to your commercial aircraft. Oh, maybe four hundred miles an hour, four hundred yeah, based on a prop. Yeah, it ain't I mean, the only danger area that we ever had to be worried about was like the APU, the auxiliary power unit, had an exhaust port on the side. And even that, we warmed our hands in the wintertime in front of it. 
you know, like there's nothing, there's no danger areas on it as far as a loader is concerned. It's great. Right, right. So, <laughs> but man, that variety of munitions. And then you're right, the Marty, the shortness. Yeah, it's crazy. That thing is short. Yeah. That's going to be entertaining to load. I don't know. Does, Eric, does it say, and maybe I missed it, um, does it say what the cost is of this thing? Now, I understand it's got a ton of ISR equipment in it. So that's going to. But those are. Right. You know what's weird is the ISR looks. I'm wondering if they have a, just a variety of pods they load on it. I'm oh, sure you mean like they could equip it different ways and such? Yeah, like they only throw a quarter of the weight in munitions, but the rest is in like this one's a SAR pod, this one's a freaking oh, yeah. force tracking. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm sure it's know. based on the mission. You know, if you're doing a recon or something like that, intelligence gathering, then maybe the weapons aren't loaded as, as heavily as it would be on a you know, a direct yeah. assault mission. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Marty, to answer your question, uh, it was an indefinite uh, IDIQ contract, and it was to deliver as many as 75 Sky Wardens and will be worth up to $3 billion. And like I said, with an initial contract award of 170 So, yeah, 75 planes. But, and it seems like it's an easy plane to reproduce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's basically what you said. It's a kit plane. You take it apart, it you, stack it, you put it in an airplane, you fly it somewhere, and then you bring it out. Yeah, it, it sure does look like that. The videos cool. of them tearing it down and putting in modular parts is pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. All right, Jake. All right, the last one's that somber one. Um, there was that shooting at the at Club Q here in Colorado Springs the other day, um, which is absolutely everything about it is horrible. But the one kind of cool thing about this is uh, Richard Fierro, the guy that intervened. Everybody else was running away when he was going towards the guy, moving towards the guy, supposedly. Um he was, he is retired or well, not retired. Sorry. Uh, former army major. So, and he was field artillery, artillery officer. Yep. <laughs> field artillery officer. And you know, what's weird is once I saw the picture of him, cause I know I've been to his, him and his wife on that brewery at Trevita. And I've been to that brewery and I've talked to him before. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Just chatted. Oh Yeah. Oh, you were in service. Cool. Me too. You know, just BSing. Nothing crazy. But yeah, him and his wife were there at the club for celebrating a friend's birthday. And then that armed gunman went in there. But he he actually intervened and took the guy down. Um, The guy was wearing plates. And so he was just quoted as basically saying, I was just looking for any kind of skin to soft attack so he's (laughs) just punching him in the back of the head as much as he could and other people then started piling on quick when you Uh, say plates was he wearing actual like a body armor vest with i I believe so yeah Yeah, i think so yeah he was wearing some sort of armor so and this guy saw him and and ran and basically tackled him right yeah and the guy 
he he pushed down the the guy he was standing next to with that he's like stay down stay down and the guy got up and ended up getting shot so his friend ended up mm. getting shot um because he popped back up and was running yeah running for the door um horrible situation yeah well he and then so they detained the gunman and then he was rendering first aid or helping out and then the cops didn't have full control of the situation so they ended up arrest or detaining him for a while because um mr fierro was covered in blood and you know oh yeah ridiculous situation so well everybody's a bad guy for cops until the chaos is is yeah yeah you would know that kind of i mean that yeah crazy situation for everybody so but it was it's it's kind of neat that that uh that he's a a veteran yeah of sorts what's the name of that uh how do you pronounce that uh brewery he runs atrevita atrevita yeah i know it says it there on his sweatshirt but i didn't know how to say it though it's a good it's actually a good brewery i think she won his wife won a competition on tv it was like one of those British Bake Off styles things, but it was a a, a brewery competition. Oh, so she used the money from that and bought that brewery out there and and started kicking that business off. So all around, honestly, like super cool story. What I've talked to her, what I've talked to him, um, I'm impressed with the the whole thing. I'm sure his actions saved quite a few other folks. That's for sure. Oh yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, because that guy still the the gunman when when Fierro took him down, he still had his nine and he still had, um, his uh, he had an AR too, right? Yeah, and his AR fifteen was still with him. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, good on that dude. And I don't want to take away from him, but there's that. There's that part where he's like, hey, my army training kicked in. I was an army field artillery officer, and we never got trained on shit. <laughs> Not on stopping anybody. You know? The pugil sticks. <laughs> With the pugil sticks. <laughs> Hold on, where's, where's my football helmet and my pugil stick? I'll take this guy out. <laughs> that would have been Marty Smith's answer. Yeah. Oh, man. My PPE. Hey, you were were Army, weren't you? And it's like, hold on, hold on. I don't know where my big fat Adobe stick is. (laughs) I'm going to lace up my shoes. I'm going to hit you with this big Q-tip. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where's the big catcher chest protector that protects my balls? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. But here's what's crazy is that's... I mean, I'm not saying it's probably like a big majority, but... The train stabbing incident in Europe. Those were women that were off duty. This guy, you know, there's multiple. And and you're right, Marty. There's multiple situations where military or former military members have intervened. But you're right. Everybody, I think, overestimates the amount of training, combat training, or any kind of hand-to-hand anything we get. Yeah, Yeah, there's not much. I didn't get any. And then, you know, we used to qualify on gun on the gun, but 
that was only because we were deploying. And then after I became space, I think I qualified what twice after that in the, in the 16 years. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that's, but that, but you let you, you watch, um, the talking heads run with that, the civilian ones. And they're like, Oh, he's military. He's dangerous. And I was like, yeah. no, most well, of them are not yeah. dangerous. <laughs> but you know what, what I think that they don't take into consideration is it's a mentality. That's well, exactly it. So you've been in the military, you've handled a gun, you know, there's bad guys out there, basic training instilled in you right from the get go. You're here for one purpose and that's defend the United States. And I think that rolls over through years. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And it goes back to when we were talking about uh, the veterans running for uh, government office. Yeah, it comes down to that. It's like something's got to be done. I'll go do it. Even if I don't know how to go do it, I'll take the initiative. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what I was thinking too, Marty. That's part of the training that we get that makes a difference. Right on. Yep. I would agree. So good on Mr. Fierro. Good on. Yep. That's awesome. Well yeah. done. Thanks, Jake. That, that's a great way to end uh, and get ready for Thanksgiving. Um, I wish you all a good Thanksgiving. Oh, let me do my, let me do my, uh, and are we going to, we're not going to say anything together. Are we? <laughs> I've learned that already. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please leave a like and share the podcast with someone else. Let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. Uh, Gentlemen, have a good Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week. You as well, fellas. Enjoy. Eric, always remember the A-10 motto, go ugly early. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good holiday, gentlemen. All right, fellas, enjoyed it. We'll talk to you soon.